So the next question is, what human problem does the religion address? So I assume in your course they, they mentioned the, the core uh, aspect of Buddhism, which is the Four Noble Truths. And the first noble truth uh, says that, uh, talks about the existence of dukkha, which is usually translated as suffering, which uh, we don't consider to be a great translation because it has a very negative view. It's often also translated as dissatisfaction or unease. And um, I think a lot of religions are basically addressing that, uh, that we are not happy, we're not satisfied with life as we find it. We're looking for more. And then the question comes as to, or the difference, I guess, in between religions comes into two aspects. One is explaining why that arises and how it should be solved. Um, for from the point of view of Buddhism, it arises by the, the, the reason it arises is explained in the second noble truth because uh, we are attached to our desires. And in Zen and Buddhism, we also often talk about uh, pain is, is unavoidable, but suffering is optional. Meaning, you know, pain will happen in life, in a physical existence but we can add additional suffering on top of it inside our heads by wanting life to be different than it is. And that part of the suffering we can remove. We can eliminate that suffering if we eliminate our attachment to wanting things to be different than they are. Um, so uh, I guess that talks about which human problem it's addressing. What is the solution to that problem? Well, we go back to the Four Noble Truths um, the third noble truth says that there is a there is a way out that suffering can be removed if we remove the attachment to our desires and then the question comes up how do we do that well that's the fourth noble truth that we can achieve uh, liberation from suffering by following a certain path and that path is called the Eightfold Path so uh, from our perspective uh, Buddhism is laid out in a very logical sequence like that, that the one, the one uh, proposition builds upon the other. So the solution is the Eightfold Path. Um, to go into that would be a rather long discussion. Um, it falls into three categories, wisdom practices, uh, ethical practices, and uh, mental discipline type practices and I would refer you to the, the Wikipedia article for a quick summary and you've probably gotten that and more in your class already and we'll talk about that in one of the later questions I think uh, let's move on so this isn't too terribly long uh, the next question is what is their religions view of life after death uh, that is a bit of a tricky one because uh, you hear so much about karma and rebirth and reincarnation and you hear a lot of that in a lot of Buddhism. But the Zen perspective, again, on that is to look at, you've got to be careful to separate the Buddha's teachings, his core teachings, from the language of the time. In Axial Age India, you could not talk about religion without talking about rebirth, because that was just a core, absolute core belief then. Uh, similarly, just as I was mentioning before, you can't really talk about religion in America without talking about faith. Because in the, in the American 
culture at large, most people think that religion is a matter of faith, whereas, as I said, you know, from the Zen perspective, that's not really an issue. So uh, remember that when thinking of Buddhism and afterlife, that all the talk about karma and reincarnation and rebirth was basically part and parcel of Axial Age India of the time, and the Buddha could not talk about religious issues without talking about those. But they were basically mentioned peripherally. When you look at his core teachings, again, as I mentioned before, he was talking about the here and now. How do we live today? How do we live dealing with other people today? Um, and uh, so our view of the afterlife is that you know, it may be, it may exist, it may not, we don't really know, and it's not really important um, in the sense that if we can't do anything about it, you know, it's not important. What we can do something about is our life here and now, dealing with other people day after day. Um, and if that has an impact on our afterlife via karma, then the best thing we can do is be the best person we can be today and really that's what we're trying to do, whether it affects an afterlife or not. So again, similar to the discussion about divinity, uh, Zen doesn't posit an afterlife and rebirth. It doesn't deny an afterlife and rebirth. It basically says the best thing we can do either way is to focus on today, here, and now. And you will find people and you will find passages that have focused on some kind of obscure not necessarily obscure, but peripheral references uh, to stories and things that mention an afterlife and rebirth. And there are certainly a lot of Buddhists who, who believe that very, very strongly, but, but in Zen we think that that was not essential to the Buddha's teachings, um, and again, neither to deny it or, or endorse it, but it's to say, you know, we don't know, and, and what we can deal with is dealing with other people and ourselves right here, right now. How do we live? mindful in this moment. So the next question, let me check the list, is how should their religion play out in arenas such as the workplace? So from a Zen perspective, this is an extremely important question, probably the most important question in the list. Because for us, what's, what's important is not what we believe or or um, what we think will happen in the future when we die, or what caused our birth, but how we deal with other people right now. How do we interact compassionately with other people? How do we, how do we act with others to reduce their suffering, to make the world a better place? Um, and we say that's by doing it in a very mindful fashion, very aware of our impact on others, on ourselves, on our culture, our society and how we can do that in a very skillful way. Um, so that comes back to the Eightfold Path, and I guess the kind of simplistic answer to the question would be if somebody looks at the Eightfold Path and sees uh, under the ethical conduct, well let me list the Eightfold Path first just in case you don't have it. It's right understanding, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. Um, and I have to apologize for a little noise in the background. I've got a couple of dogs playing and tussling here. Um, so the simplistic answer would be to say, ah, oh, well, right livelihood. You have to have uh, a livelihood in accordance with the Buddhist beliefs. Uh, for example, not being a butcher, which would take lives, especially in, in the old days where the butcher slaughtered the animals. 
um, or not maybe in today's world maybe not working for a defense contractor building weapons um, but it's more complicated than that because there are many 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 types of, of professions and, and work in the world and not all of them are so clear-cut um, so then what's more important is things like right speech and right action no matter what your work is the question is how do you deal with other people in that work do you deal with in an ethical manner in a in a truthful manner in a helpful and compassionate manner um, and that comes into play with all of aspects of the right of the eightfold path you know having the right understanding of the situation making sure that you're very observant and and carefully reading what's going on that your intentions are pure and good um, that you have have you know your meditation practice would help you to be aware of the feelings of others and that you you look at your speech and your actions to see that you're you're interacting with others in a helpful and ethical manner so uh, to come back to the question that is how we hope to see Zen play out in the workplace um, not in terms of evangelism not in terms of trying to convert anybody not in some type of overt uh, overtly religious sense but just in terms of trying to be a good person uh, aware of compassionate to and helpful to others uh, to reduce the suffering of ourselves and everyone else um, I think that that answers all of the questions that I saw on your list um, I hope this was helpful and not terribly confusing um, some of the books on Zen especially some of the early ones are I just think terribly confusing um, because they they show some of the stories from the 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 koan school um, out of context you know those stories were meant to kind of break your thinking process so that you feel directly and experience reality directly without thinking about it too much and you've heard me already talk about um, the problem with relying too much on words instead of direct experience so one of the schools of Zen the Rinzai school had these things called koans which were these seemingly nonsensical riddles um, which were useful for people who had spent long time in meditation and done lots of study they were useful you know when when 21st century Americans read books with that, uh, about these koans without preparation it just seems ridiculous and meaningless so um, I hope you didn't get that sense of Zen <laughs> the Soto school is uh, the school of, of sitting Zen of meditating Zen we consider meditation to be the slow but sure way to to break through our concepts and illusions and our ego attachment and to experience reality directly that divinity of daily life so um, uh, I'm, I'm rambling so I will stop now I hope this has been helpful uh, I guess you will get my email address when I send this to you please feel free to contact me if you if you like if you would want uh, to ask any more questions or to have any other kind of follow-up so um, may you find peace. Bye-bye.